The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and Happy New Year. This is our first live show of 2014. I hope everyone had a great holiday, a great respite. We're ready to hit the ground running wherever you are. hope you'll join us for the next hour. Interesting topic today. Let me tell you about it. By the way, if you want to run with the Game Changers all through 2014, you are in the right place. Today's buzz (laughs) couldn't be more perfect for the top of the year. First things first, I have a couple of questions for you, perhaps riddles. The chicken or the egg? The horse or the cart? Fred Astaire dancing forward or Ginger Rogers dancing backwards and in heels? One of my favorite things. So let's turn this around and talk about business. You're a startup with a game-changing idea. How do you proceed? Do you design and build your dream, your vision, your product, your service, whatever it is, before you sell it or... Do you sell the vision before spending resources to design and build it? Quoting the bar, a.k.a. Shakespeare, aye, there's the rub. Perhaps all you need is the agility to switch back and forth between these development modes depending on each scenario. I have a panel of three experts who will help us figure this out. First up in a moment, I will introduce you to James Sinclair from Enterprise Jungle. He's calling from the Denver airport today. It's, uh, it's, I think it's been plowed. Good. We're getting the storm here in New York. So let's see now. His quote is, Cell design build is an invaluable model, allowing a startup valuable time to validate their business case before engineering. Cell design build versus failing by building a product no one wants. Well, there's the rub. We'll talk to James about that in just a moment. He knows. He's been in the trenches. I think he's a serial entrepreneur and we'll find out what he means by that. Joining him on the panel today is Yankees Bunin. In case you're wondering, it's not spelled with a Y like we Yankees do. It's J-A-N-K-E-E-S. But to me, because we're good friends, it's Yankees. Yankees Bunin from Cinerscope. And he says... A true innovator designs and builds a strong vision from which he sells his product design and build capabilities. Well, he got that all in a sentence. However, the more your product will create a paradigm shift, and that's what you all want it to do, the more you may have to design and build some of it up front to create sufficient trust for your vision. Okay, that's important too. They have to trust you before they'll pay for it. And rounding out our panel today is Costa Mitra from SAP. He quotes Thomas Edison. I love this quote. It works for this topic so well. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. How creative is that? 
that. So join us for The Path to Success. Sell, design, build versus designed, build, sell. Welcome to Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and those of you keeping track, it is Thursday, January 2nd, 2014. I wasn't kidding. This is our first live show of the new year. I want to introduce you now to my three esteemed guests, tell you a little bit about them. Very long bio, so I'm going to cut them a little short so we have time to actually talk to them. First up, we'll be talking to James Sinclair. He's the co-founder of Enterprise Jungle. It's an enterprise application that provides expertise, access to tribal knowledge. I want to find out what that means. Peer recommendations and social context to ESN and HRIS platforms. Uh, let's see. He's been in the tech industry for 14 years, working with major corporations, including IBM, Xerox, and EDS. And he's also a bit at the interface of the entrepreneurial community. He says he started young and had some early moderate exits. We'll find out about that. But most notably, James has been the technologist, entrepreneur in residence, or business consultant for some of the world's most successful companies and high net worth individuals. James Sinclair, how is life at the Denver airport right now? Welcome. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So what brings you to Denver? Tell me quickly. Skiing. It's, uh, I went to Steamboat, where we uh, had 60 inches of, uh, of snowfall in the past couple of weeks. Yay! And are the planes flying and everything's good there? Everything's good here. Everything's absolutely fantastic. I hope we'll soon find out. And where are you heading after you leave Denver, James? I'm heading back home to Los Angeles, back to work, unfortunately, or fortunately. Okay. Well, we'll make this more fun than work for you, and thank you so much for calling in while you're on your trip. Appreciate that. Let's turn to Yankees Bunin. He's CEO and co-founder of Cinerscope, a groundbreaking visual data analysis technology that makes humans more capable of making decisions by providing, and I quote, intelligence augmentation so we can quickly know what data to look at. And in this stage of Big data, data coming fast and furiously at you from all directions. That can be a good thing, but sometimes it's too big to figure it out. So that's what Cinerscope helps you figure out. He says, brute computing force alone cannot distill the information we need from today's torrent of data. Cinerscope links the creativity of our brain with visual computing for maximum analytic performance. Yankees has extensive commercial leadership experience using data and big data analytics for nearly all business purposes in the global value chains of fast-moving consumer goods. His 20-plus year career covers sales, marketing and logistics, and hands-on experience in implementing ERP, EDI, intranets, extranets, CRM, Six Sigma, TQM, and a whole lot more. Yankees Bunin, welcome to SAP Startup Focus Radio. How are you today? We're doing fine here, uh, Bonnie, from the Netherlands. Uh, it's already uh, a little bit later in the evening, but we've had uh, great days in the past experience. Unfortunately, no snow, so for us it wasn't a white Christmas, it was an all-green Christmas. I'm glad it was all green, kind of the same here in New York, but you know what? If the predictions are right, I'm looking out my window. By the time this show is over, I should be one hour away from minus temperatures, 8 to 10 inches of snow and 40 mile an hour blowing winds and it's going to be powder by the way so James you can come here and finish your skiing here so we'll see what the weather's going to bring thank you Yankees for calling in glad it's green there Kostov Mitra is the VP and Global Program Lead for SAP Startup Focus Kostov has over 10 years of leadership experience in a managed services firm plus hands on experience in every aspect of startup and post startup businesses he also has 24 years in technology that cover various aspects of 
of IT, including P&L management, CXO level communications, contract review, negotiation, key account management, team leadership and collaboration, and I could go on and on. His previous roles include director of tip chairman projects for SAP, general manager and senior consultant at Mitra IT, so he was a startup guy too, and VP of strategy and business development FA Systems. Costa Mitra, welcome. How are you today? Doing very well, Bonnie. Good to be on the phone with you again. Thank you very much. You were, I think you were on Coffee Break with Game Changers with me sometime in mid-2013. It's hard to say last year. <laughs> hard to say last year. Welcome back. Where are you calling from today, Kostov? I'm here in sunny Palo Alto, actually. It's a nice uh, balmy 68 degrees outside, so I'm not complaining. Stop bragging. Okay, kids, let's go into the quotes. We're going to, by the way, to Michael, my engineer, thanks for joining us. And, Michael, we're going to push the break out till about 20 after because we have a lot to say about these quotes, so I'm not going to hurry my guests. Let's start with James Sinclair in Denver. You say, sell, design, build is an invaluable model, allowing a startup valuable time to validate their business case before they start engineering. And then you say, sell, design, build versus failing by building a product no one wants. So is this a rule of thumb? Is this is this a mantra that everybody should do? Is this the way to go? James Sinclair, talk to me. So I think, hey, I have a lot to say about this, so I'll get ready for your interruption in advance. I think the biggest thing about cell design build is it's not an opinion. It's a fundamental methodology that substantially reduces the inherent risks of building products. That's it. End of story. It's not a but or an if or, you know, our product requires it because we need to validate it. It may not apply in super high-tech or patent-heavy R&D-based products. However, in existing products, in large enterprises, or new products, it works. And I think the proof is in CAD, Boeing, Palm, as examples of where it works with game-changing technologies and very new and innovative technologies. And it does when it wasn't used, New Coke, WordStar, Newton are great examples of companies that didn't do cell design build. And, uh, and paid the price for it. You know, the, the principal argument against uh, cell design build is actually people who are frankly unfamiliar with how it works because it's an extremely difficult consecu- uh, concept to execute well. Um, and that's the failure that most companies make when understanding what cell design build. So it's not to say that not using cell design build will make you fail. It's actually mm-hmm. the opposite. It's with cell design build, the cost and time of investment is substantially reduced. Your route to profitability is exponentially accelerated. And more importantly, it allows you to grow your product as you grow your customers, which is super critical. I wish you would sound a little passionate about this, James. I'm only teasing you. I, I love the energy. I love where you're coming from. Very interesting. I did a little looking up on this topic before the show, and I found a, a quote here on the web. Somebody said, uh, too much time and resources are wasted designing products in a vacuum until you sell. Your product is just a hobby. We can talk about that later. Let's move to Yankees from Yankees Buden from Cinescope. You say, the more your product will create a paradigm shift, and I think that's where we all would like our products to be. Yankees, the more you have to design and build some of it up front to create sufficient trust for your vision. Why don't you tell us about that quote, Yankees, and then let's reference what James said. Where do you stand on this question? Well, I think, I think James actually summed it up. It's, uh, he isn't per se against uh, build uh, or design, build, sell. He's just saying that it has a different, it has a different space, and that's exactly uh, what I meant and what our experience is. Um, when we went out uh, putting Cinescope together, uh, we were talking about a vision for which a technology at that time didn't even exist. Uh, and then it's, uh, you have a very hard time 
in selling something which is purely a vision and where people would actually question you on whether such technology can ever come together. And that's why you have to give proofing points. And that's when you fall into your design-build mode. But I do agree with James. Uh, you should you should put a a firm parameter around that in the center or firm boundary and not go too far. So that's that's where we stand. And even today, I was discussing with my CTO, and what we were talking about this this topic, and we were saying, like, look, if you're still developing, or if you're part of part of your business is actually developing a platform, there is no way to escape some designing and building up front. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the big thing is, how do you how do you get that trust? I heard somebody want to talk. Who's there? Sorry, I said Ish, because I you know I, I think Yankee's experience speaks for itself. Um, without question, twenty years well, within this environment, so he knows how to build products. He knows how to build markets, and so really, we just—it's not we have a different opinion. No, we just have a different route. I think exactly what he's talking about is there are portions of this minimum viable product or this basic. Uh, opportunity mm-hmm. to show customers the reality, and you can build the ones that are the most fundamental and least speculative, and that's what cell design build it's, uh, is about. It's about risk assessments, and, and that's where, you know, when Yankees talks about the fact that sometimes you have to prove something to your customers to uh, engender trust or to show that you're not just all, uh, you know, hot air, and in fact, what he's talking about, which is minimum viable product or minimum sellable product, is part of cell design build. It's known as product hypothesis versus pitch hypothesis, which is just going on the road. But CAD is a great example of four guys that went on the road with some grease paper and a black pen and basically did meeting after meeting selling a product that didn't exist until their final meeting, which was meeting 27, when they presented a product um, that their customers actually wanted and were excited about. And just to be clear, I am not fair, even, even remotely suggesting your customers should help you build your products because that's not true. And a lot of people talk about that. It, it, it's a different side. It, it's, it's cell design builds. Your customers basically explain how they do their job now, the problems they are facing, and the areas that let you validate your space or assist them. Um, you know, so that's why I agree with Yankees. That sometimes it's tough for a startup. You've got to walk in with something. You can't just walk in with a flyer. Of course, of course. Good, good point. You know, I I love the energy, James. What I want to do now is I want to get cost up to talk about Thomas Edison, who may have known about this way before any of you or I were born, and see if he has an opinion on this. So, Gustav, you gave me the quote from Thomas Edison, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways it won't work. So let's apply this. I know it's one of your favorites. Gustav, first, why is it your favorite quote or one of them? And let's apply this to this. I don't know if we're having a debate here or just a shades of meaning on whether it's SDB or DBS. What do you talk to me, Gustav? You're up. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, Bonnie, that uh, I think uh, the reason I like that quote so much is because it captures, I think, uh, some of the fundamental optimism of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and a startup founder in the first place. But uh, to go back to, uh, it's going to be a tough radio show for you, Bonnie, because I think largely everyone is coming from the same point of view, which is to say that there are certain products, especially when you're talking about these kind of paradigm-shifting products or products which mm-hmm. haven't existed before, where a cell design build model becomes a lot harder and like James said, you know, the nice thing about it, and that's the basic tenet of, for example, the whole lean startup movement is, you know, build, mm-hmm. sell, sell, build, and just make sure you're always, always keeping your customer, you know, front and foremost. But there, there, there's just certain situations where it's not viable, it's not feasible, and it does increase risk exponentially by not doing it. Um, but I do think there are situations where there really isn't an option. 
And I said in my email to you earlier, I think the difference is in order to have, uh, you know, the guts to pull it off, you need to have a huge amount of conviction that eventually when your product is built, there will be someone there at the other end to buy it. Um, and which is why you have so many spectacular failures. But at the same time, you've got, you know, huge successes coming out of that as well. Um, you know, I mentioned Apple in my email, a company famous for not looking at focus groups or going and testing products out there, but mm-hmm. coming up with a full-blown product, they're convinced that uh, people will want to buy. But it does take that huge amount of talent, takes that appetite for risk. And, uh, you know, having deep pockets uh, doesn't, ha- doesn't hurt either. Of course. Uh, I know we're going to have a lot more to say after the break, but Kostov, I just wanted you to add something. I know you are an entrepreneur by, by your own history. You had Mitra or Mitra IT. Why don't you tell James and, and Yankees a little bit about what you did and, and what was your business model in that company, Kostov? Well, I actually, my, my situation was a lot simpler because I was out there offering services which were already uh, validated in the market and I knew there were people okay. buying it. So um, the the risk situation for me was a was a lot lower. I didn't have to worry about will people want to purchase what I had to sell. Um, but even there, you know, in, when you're innovating in services, it can be uh, you know it's a very different ball of wax as compared to uh, innovating with products. Um, we had, in a sense, the luxury of having a ready-made market of going out and having strong revenue streams before we started innovating and coming up with new service product offerings. Um, so it was very much an iterative process, but uh, we, I think, coming from both a different, uh, a different startup space and a different uh, uh, maturity in, in the product which was being offered. Do you think Thomas Edison did the, the uh, design, sell, design, build, or do you think he did the design, build, sell, because he knew there was going to be a market for what he was inventing? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that definitely falls into the the whole idea that Young Kids was talking about, which is, you know, so many of, of Edison's products really were, you know, things the world had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the question of kind of going out and talking to people about, oh, well, if this was there, would you buy it, uh, didn't really exist. I think uh, the man was a genius and just happened to come upon you know, dozens and dozens of ideas, which, you know, each of which has spawned, you know, multi-billion dollar businesses. But I think he was someone who was really working from inspiration and, uh, you know, just had uh, had the luxury of being so prolific that even if dozens of his ideas failed, which meant, you know, which they did, uh, he had more than enough to make sure that as, uh, um, as an inventor, he had uh, the luxury of just inventing products without first testing out if the market wanted them. Good. I just wanted to bring that in. By the way, anybody for, who has forgotten, Thomas Alva Edison was an American inventor and businessman who did develop many devices that influenced life around the world, and he invented the phonograph. Those of you who remember the turntable with the arm with the little needle, yes. The motion picture camera, uh-huh. We kind of have that on a little mobile device now, taking videos, and we know what videos are for our modern life. And bingo, there goes that light bulb, that aha moment, the long-lasting practical electric light bulb in all its many incarnations, just to giving a nod to one of our early entrepreneurs, Thomas Alva Edison. You know what, guys? I'm going to give you all a break. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back in about a minute. And when we come back, I'm going to ask James Sinclair from Enterprise Jungle. 
in the Denver airport, and Yankees Bunin from Cinescope in beautiful green Netherlands, and Costa Mitra from I Am So Jealous, sunny California. Warm, warm, warm. I'm going to ask you what you're all drinking, what's in your cup, or what you wish you were drinking today, and then we're going to take a deeper dive. And when we come back after the coffee break, I'm going to ask you all to flip the tables for me a little bit. Let's not talk just about getting the buyers, but how do you sell what you're selling to get investors in your company if it's at the design build stage. Where does the sell come when you're looking for capital? We'll touch on that briefly. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, episode number 11, in case you're counting. And guess what? We are renewing the series for the full year 2014, so we've just barely begun to scratch the wonderful information we're getting and all the insights and brilliance we get from our guests every week. I'm very excited about that. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial, whatever you're, whatever you're designing and thinking to get listening to our show. We'll be right back. Michael, take us out. Talk to you in a minute. to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Here we are, and welcome back. This is our second segment of our first show live in 2014. So excited to be here with James Sinclair of Enterprise Jungle, Yankees Bunin from Cinerscope, and Kostov Mitra from SAP Startup Focus Program. Let's find out what's in their cup today. Let's kick off with something exciting. So, James, what's in your cup, or what are you heading back to after you get out of Denver Airport? Talk to me. I'm heading back into Los Angeles and my new fad for 2014, which is French press coffee. That's it. Nice, nice. Is that caffeine full strength? 
it's caffeine, exceptionally full strength. And I joined uh, one of my Christmas <laughs> gifts is one of those caffeine clubs where they send you beans from all over the world every week. So if anyone needs me, I'll be up 24-7 taking calls. How exciting. <laughs> My kind of guy. They don't let me have caffeine on show days. What can I tell you? Figure that one out. Yankees, Buna, what are you drinking or what are you heading toward? Well, I'm drinking most of the time, I should say, Nespresso coffees. Uh, but uh, right now I'm trying to detox from all the festiv- festivities with some uh, Moom Napa Valley sparkling. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. Okay. Is that sparkling with a little touch of something uh, a little uh, motivating or energizing in it, or is that sparkling water, yeah, plain exactly. water? No, and it's, you know, it's evening hours here, so it is, it is eligible. You're eligible to drink a glass or something <laughs> at this hour of the day. Lovely. I was going to suggest that some guests tempt us when they're overseas. They, they tempt us with the wonderful bottle of something wine they're about to uncork right after the show, but I'm glad you're indulging right now. That's great. Costa Mitro, what are you drinking? Uh, I have to admit, Bonnie, I'm, I'm not quite certain. I had a, a party <laughs> at my house with about a hundred of my closest friends on New Year's Eve, and this morning there are all these bottles lying around, all, all non- or non-alcoholic fruit juices, but I just took each one of them and poured it into a giant cup so I wouldn't have to toss it out the window. And so now I've got this tall glass with a bunch of juices, but I'd be darned if I could tell you what's actually in there. I think there's some lychee. I taste lychee. <clears throat> I have a feel, you know something, there's a special brand of, of natural juices that comes in a, a kind of a plasticky, wax-coated cardboard box with a little, not a spout, but a little um, opener that you turn on it that's being sold in my local supermarket, and they have passion fruit, and they have guava juice, and I just saw lychee last week, so that apparently is coming into fashion. But I was going to say to you, maybe this is a new company for you, Costa, you can go around to people's <laughs> homes after, <laughs> yeah, after they have you, minimum of 25 to 50 best friends who come and drink everything. You put it all into a bottle, and if somebody doesn't pass out or conk out, you market it as the next great juice craze. I think we're onto something here. So let's get down to the other side of real business here. I'm going to open the question to all three of you. Whoever wants to take it is fine. We're talking about cell design build or design build cell. Where does the S word, that potent cell that takes your product or your vision or your whatever your innovation is, your paradigm shift, if you will, coming from, from Yankee Bunin's quote, whatever takes it from a hobby or a dream into, yes, we're really in business, how does this phase or does it apply to the getting the money? In other words, raising money, whether it's an angel, whether it's a VC, how do you convince them if you haven't even built it yet, do you have to sell it to them? Is it on paper? Is it a prototype? Help me understand that. So James, Yankees, Kostov, who wants to run with this first? I'll take anybody. I can jump. I'm happy to jump in there and, uh, and tell you my thoughts sure. on it. And uh, you know, I'm keen to hear Kostov's. I think the general model for VC, specifically within the startup community, is invest a little bit pre traction, double down after. And so when you talk about traction, you talk about how do you get money under a cell design build, well, it's that kind of weird choice of what would you prefer? Two owners that are purely business and have a proven track record of selling X, Y, and Z, or two highly technical founders with no business experience. You've got to find that middle grab uh, between that. But in general, with cell design build, it doesn't mean don't build anything and just walk in with a spreadsheet and a prayer. You can validate your concept. You can prove out your concept. But as all the startups will tell you, in general, most companies' failure happens very, very early on, but they don't find out they've run off course until their ship has hit the sand or the rocks. 
because as they're going down that journey, instead of looking at the direction they're on and constantly re-navigating and resetting their course, instead they're focused on the sail and, you know, their velocity mm -hmm. and their traction and their budget. Instead of this, are we on the right course? Are we building a product that has demand? And so when you talk about cell design builds, specifically with the investment community or the pre-traction community, it's, mm -hmm. you can still prove market. Uh, by setting a course, showing validity, taking some hypotheses, and taking them out to market and gauging the feedback. And quite frankly, a lot of companies that get their seed capital end up building a slightly different product, which is correct, because they're taking the hypotheses, they're trying it out, they're reevaluating, and they're replotting their course. And I think that's where it's really important for, uh, for companies who are implementing cell design build to think about it. It doesn't mean just having an idea and going for it. But in reality, a lot of startups don't even want this binary answer of, that's a failure before you've even built it. So that's why a lot of people don't do cell design build because it can literally tell you, you should not do this. There is no market for your product. And a lot of startup founders don't want to hear that, unfortunately. Yes, they do not want to hear it. Very, very good point. And then the question is how much energy they have to, to live whatever uh, the motto was, I think, from Thomas Edison is 10,000 ways to not work, but they're all instructive if you take them the right way, as is no, nobody wants it. Yankees, any thoughts on my question in terms of cell design build for raising money for a startup? As I was listening to James, I was thinking, well, those changes do not just, it's, it's imperative that you actually go out to that community of investors and that you get that capital that you need to put your ID together if you, if you can't do it of your own means. And certainly that involves selling. The interesting part is, is um, you're then selling something that is not even a minimal, minimum viable product. And the interesting part is, is as you're designing it, as your investors come on, at least that was our experience, what we, what we built wasn't that far away technically, technologically, uh, although I'm not so sure how deep they actually wanted to understand the technology. But what is interesting is, is they had some own their own ideas of what they were recognizing in the product and in the vision as to where this should go. And then as we're going, and this is, this is what James is saying, this iteration about, about pivoting when you need. And currently mm -hmm. we're finding ourselves on not on a vastly different course, but we, yes, we have changed tactics, and yes, we have changed, for instance, entry markets, which is an interesting thing. So I think what James is also saying, it's, it's all about staying, staying flexible, uh, but staying also with a firm mind of where you want to end up. And with that, for me, uh, you were talking about the quotes like uh, Thomas Edison, Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I have is, is to improve is to change, and to be perfect is to change often, uh, which is actually mm -hmm. one from Winston Churchill. Very interesting. So, Very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. You finish, and then I want Costive to chime in. Go ahead, Yankees. Yeah. So, so that's, that's exactly what, uh, what we're doing. It's uh, like now people will recognize that Winston Churchill at the time was called for a great cause, and he had something firmly in his mind, but he wasn't afraid of changing tactics or even changing more than tactics, changing entire strategies. And that's sometimes what's ne what needs to happen. I have a question before Kostov chimes in here. Yankees, changing strategies, changing tactics. Is this something, I'm, I'm going to use a word that probably doesn't even belong in this discussion, in a business discussion, but I'll use it anyway. Is there a sense of embarrassment saying, oh, well, we went out to the market, we did some testing, or we designed this, and we think it really would be better if we do such and such. Is there anything of looking over your shoulder and saying, oh, they're changing their minds again? Is that is that a downside for an investor? 
Talk to me. Mm, well, it, it can be, but I think, I think okay. if, you're, if you're upfront about it and if you've got the right reasons to do it, and that's at least our experience, they'll, uh, they do understand what we're doing, uh, and you keep them, it's, it's, it's this fine line of you don't do this in a vacuum. You, you keep them at some, you keep them very informed. Uh, about what is happening. But I think, as anyone in sales uh, will know who's been in sales for a long time, it's actually your customers that, that learn. Uh, they teach you how to sell, and they sometimes also teach you where to sell. Um, mm. And that is about yep, your selling. Totally and then right. because you're changing where you're selling, you may have to do small adaptations to the product because it makes, it makes a total difference if you're selling to IT folks in business or whether yes. you're selling to the business folks. Very, very good points. Costa, chime in here, please. Join us on this this conversation. We're looking not just at selling to customers, but selling the idea, the concept, the prototype to investors, VCs, angels, getting that money that will enable you to get to the next phase. What's your experience, Costa? I think this is a great um, expansion of the topic or a twist in the topic, Bonnie, because as, as you were speaking, it was going through my, like a bunch of different thoughts going through my mind. One is, uh, you know, James talked earlier about, you know, the profile of a startup team that you'd like to, that you'd like to back if, if you're an investor. And I know just going through the, the bunch of very talented startups we have in the program, it, it's heartbreaking when you see all these fantastic ideas and even some very interesting products, but when you don't have someone on the team who, who knows finally how you're going to sell this, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to sell this. And keep in mind, it's not just selling to customers like you know we started out with, or even selling to investors. But any startup CEO is selling all the time. You're selling to prospective employees. You're selling to existing employees. You're selling to um, you know to your your vision to for PR and for the analysts for the analysts out there. Whenever you're out there communicating with anyone, you're you're selling. And unless you've got this fundamental understanding of how to take this vision, which is locked up inside your head, and make mm-hmm. it accessible to people. I mean, uh, if, if you think about it from a perspective of a new hire point of view, you have a startup coming in and, you know, someone like, uh, uh, like, a, like James or Yankee is going saying, how would you like to leave your secure, well-paying job with large mm-hmm. corporation XYZ and come and join a company where we don't have a product yet? Uh, we yes. think we've got a good idea. We don't have any funding, but we'd like to. You, we'd like for you to come and work full time with us. I mean, even that at the end of the day comes down to selling. And any startup CEO who forgets that their primary function is to sell is in for uh, for a world of pain. And you know, the same idea applies for investors as well. I mean, you have to have. Uh, uh, you, you have to be able to communicate that vision to people, and it's difficult because unless you've kind of got this uh, you've got this double-edged sword because if you're selling something which people easily understand then chances are that there's other companies doing it and many of them probably doing it better than you and if you're if you're selling something which truly is groundbreaking then no one's done it before and you're going to have a much harder time uh, convincing people that there's value in this I mean you stop to think about it who would back a business which says that the only thing we're going to do is make it possible for people to send out their thoughts in 140 characters or less? That's not an idea that I would have jumped up and said, oh, here, take my money. 
how foolish do I look now? <laughs> yep, so, yep. I, I want to uh, thank you, Costa. Uh, James, I, James, I have something uh, you sent me in notes before the show I'd like you to talk about. This very much intrigued me. You say, building a product in stealth mode prevents accesses to access to resources, information, and intelligence in the market and is often more damaging for the company in the early days. And you advise, go out and talk to potential customers, engage the market's response to their product. Now, this brings to mind, James, and to the rest of the panel, the three letters NDA, non-disclosure. So, how do you go from <laughs> NDA, how do you go from, I want to protect it, I have this great idea, can't tell anybody about it, friends, family, fools, I want you to invest, can't tell you, but I'm so damn smart, it's going to be a wow, I'm going to get on Shark Tank the first week, Bonnie, I'm going to get... Bonnie, I am going to stop you right there and tell you competition is not going to put me out of business. Poor execution. Okay. No. End of story. Uh, Poor execution. I, put, I full-heartedly agree with, uh, with James. So, it's, uh, let me uh, one of the things that I ha- Sorry, carry Keep on. Keep talking. Please. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so one of the things that I had to do, because I had a vision, but I couldn't build the technology myself. And when I found my co-founder, who was a deep engineer, and engineers have this tendency, they want to guard their, their baby, and they only want to mm-hmm. put it out on the table when it's all shined and polished up, and then everyone should flock to it without any sales effort, which is, which is the biggest fallacy in the world. And I think it, it cannot hurt people to intelligently communicate, even in the early days. Uh, we communicate all the time. So we even communicate about new features, even, even bits and pieces that we, that we might be patenting, uh, but the way that we have to do that, and that's where the function of the NDA comes in, the function of the NDA is actually to be able to talk about stuff that we're still, that we're still looking uh, or that are under patent pending or that we are thinking of filing a patent application for. And I think, Yankees, so that's I think the number main one is you're 100% right. But I also think that people under, misunderstand what, you know, they think stealth mode because they think everyone's out to steal. Number one, mm-hmm. you know, if your idea is that phenomenal, it, it, there's a great quote, I forget how it goes, basically it says, if your idea is that good, no one will want to steal it because everyone will think it's too difficult or too silly or not needed. Twitter, 140 characters. But there's also the other side, you know, CAD, which, you know, if you think about that technology, is absolutely incredible. And my best case study of cell design build, they went out and wouldn't stop talking about it to develop and define their product to understand what their customers needed. But I think a big part of cell design build, the easiest way of understanding is specifically why uh, stealth mode doesn't work, is think about the first time you describe your great idea to your girlfriend, mm-hmm. to your wife, to your father, to your kid, and you describe it, and it takes you 30 minutes, and you flub along, and no one really understands it. And then you go out and you talk about it. You talk to customers. You talk to people. Yes. You talk to colleagues. And suddenly, 45 days later, it's, you know, you've gone from, oh, I can't put this into an elevator pitch. It doesn't work. My, my, my product is too, too big, too massive, too game-changing. 30 days later, you're doing it in nine words. And you're communicating yeah. a message. And the more you go out and talk about it, what actually happens, it's not so much that you get to get customers or you get mentors or you get advisors or you get money. You get to understand your product and you get to understand better application of your product. And the perfect example, James. A, in the pitch, and B, is when you're sitting in front of a customer and they say, well, can it do that? Uh-huh. And you think, and you think huh. James, isn't, yes. isn't this an interesting part? Isn't, isn't of the three words, sell, design, build? Isn't sell the most the most that links actually what you're talking about to communication? Sell and design communicate are about so inherently merged. And uh, there's a guy at VP of Seagate who once said, "Sell and design are like soft clay. 
It's easier to change the product when the clay is wet. And that's why you have to do cell design build, not only for the product and the engineering time and the reduced investment and the exponential decrease in risk. You have to do it because it will show you what your product should be, how to sell it, how to communicate it, and it will put you in touch with people. And I can give you my examples of the more I talk yes. about my product, I'll give it to anyone who wants to listen. It, every now and again, I now get an email from someone I spoke to. Hey, I spoke to this guy about this product. You should speak to him. And I can give you a perfect example. I spoke to a guy named John Appleby who actually helped have introduced me to um, or told me to get in contact with in regards to our HANA solution. I had a great mm-hmm. chat with him for 20 minutes. Nothing really came out of it except a great conversation about how to apply it in the business and how to sell it a little bit. And then three weeks later, I get an out-of-the-blue email saying, hey, you should contact this guy in Israel. He's working on a product of which I think might work with yours. And that is what Sell yeah. Design Build is. It's getting people, an arsenal, an army of people to yes. want to help, to want to understand, to validate your product, and to help you bring it to market quicker. End of story. That's, that's very exciting. And what you're basically saying is, is get away from stealth and hiding it, but also know you have to have an instinct. Wouldn't you agree, James, and, and Cost Up and Yankees? An instinct for the people to whom you should be speaking. You don't want to spend an hour with the completely wrong person. However, you might not know that until you get into the conversation. So by describing it, you're igniting the fire, if you will. You're passing the torch. How's that for a concept? You're passing the torch of excitement about what you're trying to sell and what you're trying to design. Now, I have a question for all three of you. We talked about the the shades of design. When you talk to a customer, you put it out there in front, I think James said it, and they say, hey, can it do this? Can it do that? So my question is, when do you say... We're not going to design anymore. We have to get to market. We have to at least launch three flavors, but not nine flavors. When do you pull the plug on the number of flavors? How far deep into business and and an income sheet, a balance sheet with a plus on the right side before you say, now we can make 12 other versions? Uh, James, Yankees, cost of who wants to take that? When do you stop designing and when do you say, it's enough? We, We are here in the market. We've done a great job. Let's sell a little before we keep changing it. So Who wants to talk? Answer, the answer to that is minimum sellable product. What is the minimum product I can build yes. that my customer will buy? That's okay. It. No one needs feature creepage. No one needs all those things. It used to be the, oh my God, I've got 800 features. No one cares. What are the specific features I have to have to get someone to give me money? Because that okay. is the ultimate validation of your market. And people misunderstand that. And that's where Sell Design Build is also critical because it generates and uh, shows you your false positives where just because someone's excited or someone will say they use it, it doesn't mean someone's willing to buy it. Money is the ultimate validation and, and sell design build gets you there because you build your minimum sellable product and someone either buys it or they don't. And anyone will well, tell you that's got some experience in this, it's successful or experienced entrepreneurs, especially ones that have had some failure in the past, want to fail quicker or succeed quicker. We're not here to drag it out. We're not here, and we're completely open to say, that's a bad idea. We thought it would work. The data isn't yep. there. Let's move on to the next. But that comes out and of, you know, so you've got to have failure to understand that. And be forthcoming about it. Did I hear Yankees or Kostov in the background? Somebody was commenting. Please go. Yeah, I, w- I was going to try and say, it was an interesting comment about, like, uh, to, take, to take passing of money as the measurement. Uh, mm-hmm. I t- personally, I tend to take, yeah, passing the money is the first step. And then the second one is, is to actually get feedback from those customers. You have to know that these guys are actually using it. Um, because we've had sales where, well, yeah, money has passed, but um, 
there's so so much software out there which actually then even when once the money is paid it just gets left unused so mm-hmm. we up the ante on that one um, we're certainly not just taking money as as the uh, as the sort of uh, the guideline of like is is something successful or not successful it has to be I think it actually has to be that second sale that you're making into that same customer. That absolutely you. agree. In totality, Yankee, second order revenue is the greatest indicator of value of what they just paid for. Interesting, yeah. Kostov. I need your voice in this. What do you think? What's your experience with Mitra IT and and from your vantage point as uh, working as a lead on the SAP Startup Focus Program? What do you see in terms of first sale, second sale? I actually. Take take another example of a startup that I'm um, I'm involved with over here, Bonnie, which is the startup focus program itself at SAP, mm-hmm. uh, which, as you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, early young uh, effort here at SAP, and we're trying to do something which has not been done previously at the company. And for me, the sale is basically comprised of getting mind share and attention from you know highly talented entrepreneurs like Yankees and James, and with us. Uh, it, it, there was very much an, an, there was this very strong focus that we are never going to be able to come up with a perfect program um, and then take it out to market because we just didn't have the luxury of time. So our approach definitely was to go out there, sell to companies like Cinescope and Enterprise Jungle, get their participation, and then whenever possible and feasible. Um, continuously solicit feedback as to, okay, well, we've got some basics right. What else do you need from, by way of features and, and value propositions and benefits from what we are offering to keep improving what we are doing? And um, you know, we've, we've had the same experience that you know, what we started out with has evolved very differently from what we might have imagined and every sale that we had, which is every startup that signed up for the program, we've learned new things. And without having that constant stream of, um, of input and feedback coming back, it would have been very, very difficult for us to build a product which we're convinced actually gives value to these startups. Thank you, Kostov. And I have a question for you from two of our listeners. The question is, in the Startup Focus Program at SAP, how many of the startups from your observation, Kostov, are following design, sell, build, and design, build, sell, and sell, design, build? What, what's the, the model that most of them are following, or is there just one, one thread you see predominant? It'd be, hard, it'd be hard to quantify that, because I don't think we've actually ever done a survey, a formal survey, like what, what approach do you use? I will say, though, that of the most promising startups that we see in the program, the ones who've completed product development and are in the process of taking their products out to market, and, um, you know, I'd include Enterprise Jungle and Centerscope in that category, I think all of them have a very, very keen awareness of what their products are actually um, are needed for and definitely have their eye very, very closely on the sell part of it. So if I had to, uh, if I was, you know, if you put a gun against my head, I would say that a vast majority of them are following a cell design build um, approach. And it, another quick thought, which I'd like to add, Bonnie, because this came in as you were, we were talking about this, is it's funny how the three terms that you know we chose as a topic, or you chose as a topic for this program, mm-hmm. actually ties into the three basic tenets of design thinking, which is you know big at SAP, but uh, big elsewhere as well, which is you know, desirability, feasibility, and viability. Uh, the idea being that you need all three components at the end of the day to build something successfully or to have something successful. 
Thank you very much. Well, Good I'll, answers. I was right there. You know what, guys? I'm going to give you another break. We went all the way through from what's in your cup to this point. We have about 10 minutes left till the show ends because we're live. No forgiveness on that clock. And I'm going to give you a break. When we come back, I want James Sinclair from Enterprise Jungle. I'd like Yankees Bunin from Cinderscope. And I'd like Costa Mitra from SAP Startup Focus Program to tell us if we had this conversation five years from today. Now, I have to adjust my timing here because I used to say, talk to me. What are we going to do in 2018? Now we have to talk about 2019. If we met again five years from today, and I certainly hope we will, what would we be talking about? Cell design, build, design, build, sell. Where does that S fit in? And where is the wet clay in the product development as JDS underscore again says so aptly? Thank you, James, on Twitter. So we're going to take a one-minute break. I want you to all come back with your predictions, and then we'll close out at 58 after. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial. We'll be right back. Mike out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Here we are, and we're about to slide into home plate here, almost done with our first show of the new year. I'm going to ask my three guests to look ahead five years from today. I know it's hard. I know Kostov is still cleaning up the juice bottles from a 100 close friends. Boy, you really get around. But we're going to find out what do they think is going to happen if we had this conversation five years from today. And the conversation is sell, design, build versus design, build, sell. James Sinclair, Enterprise Jungle. I've given you exactly two minutes. Predict for me. Go. Well, we'd be in two years. Uh, who cares? I'll be five, on a beach five, five years. Retired. Five years. I want five, five years. years. I'll yep. still be on a beach retired somewhere, hopefully. <laughs> uh, in, re- 
In reality, will we be? It's understanding that cell design build uh, works for improving existing products. As every company and large enterprise becomes a startup and has a technology division, they will start paying more attention to their customers, to that feedback loop, loop and building products that are in demand um, and in cycle versus releasing a product that no one really wants and you know, hopefully not having to go with the, uh, the way of WordStar when everyone suddenly moved to WordPerfect um, when they came out with their update and their new UI. That's my prediction. Okay. And where will you be? What airport will you be in if I talk to you five years from today, James? I won't be. I'll be on my boat. All right. <laughs> we can do. I'm sure you'll have a great Wi-Fi connection there. We'll have to do radio from your boat. I like that very much. Yankees Buden from Cinderscope. Where will you be five years from today? I've never asked that question on the show. And oh, what will you I predict? Will be five years from now, I, I will go back to the island where I've just come from, which was Mauritius in the Indian Ocean, and I will have my boat outside the reef too. <laughs> I'm glad. Now, let's talk about what will we be saying in terms of design, cell design build, design build cell, cell in the middle, cell on the end. What will we be? What will the model be in five years? Will this still hold true, what well, we've been I, talking about today? I think, I think an interesting thing is, is if we just go back in history, and for instance, we think about Christopher Columbus and the way how he had to sell to the Spanish king and queen before he could set sail, I think we can definitely bank on selling always being first. Uh, in a sense, uh, but there may be small patches, and, and we've gone through them in technology ourselves, where you have to decide just to build certain things, although there, there is not, not someone yet responding just to show them. And I think, I think it's been there all the time. It's been there for centuries, so I don't think it's going to be anything different. We may call it differently, but we'll, we'll stick to it. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm going to have, it looks like we're going to finish about a minute early. I'm going to throw a bonus question to three of you. Cost on Mitra, SAP Startup Focus Program, five years from today. Where will you be and what will you say about cell design build, my friend? I will still be waking up at seven in the morning and going into work and thinking enviously of Yankees and James on their boats. <laughs> This is a good way you to start the year. To come to <laughs> <laughs> and what will we be talking about in terms of cell design build? No, I, I, I really do believe uh, that the, the vast majority of, of, of startups which are going to get, you know, have their, their billion-dollar IPOs and lots of wealthy founders really are going to be the ones who've consistently focused on, on sales, focused on getting in front of the customers and hearing from them directly, that said, I will also say that we will periodically have, you know, that 10 or even $100 billion IPO, which will happen, which come from that very, very rare breed of, uh, of founding teams, which have just massive talent, conviction, and appetite for risk, who will go out and build something which will, you know, launch uh, full-blown into, uh, into the technology space, and everyone will, uh, will be fascinated by so the numbers are definitely in favor. For every 99 uh, successful startups who follow the cell design build model, we'll have you know, the one odd one here and there, which makes a huge hit, um, but coming at it from a very different way. 
Very interesting. Thank you. I have a bonus question for the three of you. Just a quickie, a little popular culture here, pop culture. I don't know if on your boats in, in the reefs and the Mauritius or wherever you're all going to be, you'll be able to get TV, but there's something called Shark Tank. I'm a big fan. I watched three hours of it the other night. And they are trying to put a little common sense into people who have what I mentioned in the beginning is, wow, I have a product. I have a design. Have you sold it? No, then it's still a hobby. They're trying to put some common sense and some business planning and some really hard, hard business sense around ideas of everyday entrepreneurs. So my question is, will we still have the world's fascination with becoming your own boss, becoming an entrepreneur, having that startup that succeeds? Will we still have that that fascination with being on your own and hitting the world with wow? Yes or no? James Sinclair, go. Yes, absolutely. It's the American, actually, it's the worldwide dream to be your own boss. What Shark Tank does is give them the binary answer. That's a crap idea. Don't do it. Go back to construction. <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much. And uh, Yankees, Bunin, what do you think? Will we still have Shark Tank? Will we still be fascinated with having our own startups that are wow? Uh, I, th- I think both will still happen, but being a European and coming from uh, what Americans would call a socialist country, uh, I can bet you that uh, economies are, uh, are being hammered, people are being hammered, and I think the only way out for these people is entrepreneurship. So yes, we will mm-hmm. see a lot more coming, and it's even thriving here in Europe where some parts of entrepreneurship like capital, funding, those kinds, the hurdles are just a little bit bigger. But I think people will crawl over them in, uh, in ever bigger numbers. Um, Thank because you. Ultimate, ultimately, people are learning that working for a large corporation nowadays is actually almost the same risk profile as being an entrepreneur. There you go. Kostov, I need a yes or no from you because I have to close the show. Talk to me. Yes or no? Will we still be enamored of? Fast. Yes or no? Absolutely. It's only going to increase as the, the cost of launching startups and the cost of innovation drops in the future. Thank you. Great. I'm going to launch the end of the show next Thursday, January 9th, Startup Focus with Game Changers. We're going to be talking about course correcting along the way of building your startup. What happens and how do you adapt? We really talk about that a lot. Great topic. Uh, shout out to, by the way, Michelle Hickey and Robert Capannon and the team at Startup Focus. Next Tuesday on our newest series, Biz Buzz with Game Changers, we'll talk about retail. Who doesn't want to know about that? Enabling an all-channel experience. Great panel. Tune in Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'll be there on Wednesday. Coffee break with Game Changers, my flagship show, 8 a.m. Pacific. Guess what? It's my 2014 prediction special part two. Already brought you predictions from 16 thought leaders. Guess what? I have 15 more coming on Tuesday and then another 15 in a couple of weeks. Wow. We're filled with predictions here. I want to say a special thank you. James Sinclair, pleasure to meet you. Want to have you back definitely later in the year. Yankees, Bunin, same, wonderful, great ideas, guys. Great expression. Energy is terrific and cost of. Always wonderful to have you on. Thanks for joining the party. Again, shout outs to Michelle and Robert and Aslan and all the good people at SAP Startup Focus. Mike and the Business Channel team, thanks for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here's my call to action. It's the same as last year, but maybe you haven't been listening. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer. Today, Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. I'll see you on BizBuzz on Tuesday. Over and out. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.